Hello and welcome to episode four of GameSpot After Dark. Three big games released last week, which means we had three big reviews come out last week, which means we have three reviewers on this podcast. First up, Jordan. Hello, hello. Michael Hyam. Hi. And Peter Brown. Hey. I didn't say your last name. Jordan Rumay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Jordan, you reviewed Ancestors. Michael, you reviewed Astral Chain. And Hell yeah. Peter, you reviewed Control. Hell yeah. We're going to start with Ancestors, but before we get into those discussions... <laughs> you don't want to save the best for last? <laughs> that, uh, well, well, that is what we're doing, I guess. <laughs> um, but before we get into that, Chris from Dayton, Ohio, sent in a question. Week number two, asking what kind of games we play. And I figured this is a good question to bring back every week, just so we can introduce the new people on here. His question was something along the lines of i don't know who any of you are so if you could tell me what kind of games you play what kind of genres you like so this is the uh chris from dayton ohio section that's fair yeah yeah although i'm sure some of these people know peter because you're on and i've been here for a while while. (laughs) he only plays old games that's Uh, half the truth (laughs) and a lot of these people i'm pretty sure listen to the lobby saw the lobby so they'd probably recognize you the lobby the lobby all right um, peace yeah i as michael spoiled the surprise i like old video games quite a bit but obviously i like new games as well um i would say i kind of veer towards the action game realm i play mostly by you know by choice i play mostly japanese games just because i tend to like the sort of style that comes out of a lot of those studios but uh hey you know what control is right up my alley as well so is is there a game that you come back to frequently? Oh yeah, it's none of the stuff I just described. It's Rocket League. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a there's another one though besides Rocket League that you always come back to. Salamander. It's a it's what, a it's, what a, it's a tactical about? game. Oh, Final Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I try not to. Yeah, I try. I don't know. I feel like I beat that drum all the time. So I guess you're right. I just didn't want to. Be, I don't want to be too predictable. <laughs> well, you know, some new. It's listeners, a safe space, Peter. Yeah, some some new listeners might want to know all about that. So you know what I'm saying. If you want to get me started, I don't think you want to. But. Let's get it started. Yeah, that, that, that's probably my favorite game of all time. <laughs> Hi, uh, I play everything because I'm a real gamer, so that's that. Damn. Uh, I've, Damn. I've, I've had a uh, strange trajectory with video games. I grew up playing, There's, I have the trifecta. My my my. Um, when I was between the ages of five and eight, I had a trifecta on the Super Nintendo. It was Super Mario RPG, Final Fantasy VI, it was actually Final Fantasy III, and Chrono Trigger. So those games changed my life, or they uh, taught me how to read as well. So that kind of got me into RPGs in general, and that is my favorite genre. And reading. And not not so much. I've (laughs) dropped reading uh, ever since, so I was like, I read enough in video games. So, uh, you know, I I, I fill out that box. Uh, But I kind of transitioned over to when I was old enough to have a PC, I transitioned to more um, Western games, I guess. I play a lot of first-person shooters, so I got into Counter-Strike in a pretty heavy way. And Battlefield 2 was also a formative experience, uh, Battlefield 1942. And for a long stretch, I played a lot of first-person shooters and more Western RPGs, I guess. Uh, but then in ever since I came to, I would say a little bit before I came to GameSpot, I kind of got back into Japanese games and RPGs in general. I think Undertale was a um, kind of a turning point for me in 2015. And then from there on, I kind of started digging more into uh, RPGs. And uh, not, not that Undertale is a Japanese game, but it's in that style. Uh, so I kind of tried to recover everything that I had missed uh, through the, the, I guess, the 2000s, I suppose. Because at that point, I think Xeno Gears Episode One was the last JRPG I played until I transitioned. Xeno Saga Episode. So, sorry, sorry, <laughs> Xeno Saga. Damn, <laughs> Xeno Saga. And then I had transitioned to PC gaming for a while. But now, now it's all about it's all about RPGs, man. Um, I got a question for you, then. Yeah, Undertale. Yeah, JRPG or RPG? Now you're gonna get Peter started on. <laughs> no, this. I'm not gonna go anywhere with it. This is just uh, this is me getting to know Michael. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! I would say. <sighs> Ah, uh, this is this is tough because <laughs> <laughs> it's because uh, like it, it 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 gets the it gets the, tricky. Yeah, it gets it's, yeah. Yeah, it's it gets tricky. tricky. But I'll say uh, a Jish RPG. A Jish RPG. <laughs> yeah, that might be the most democratic answer I've, I've ever gotten for a question. Hey man, like that. I used to I used to work in politics. I know how this shit works. Mm. Yeah, I forgot you did, huh? I yeah. sure did. That's a lifetime ago. Couldn't tell by looking at you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm loud as hell and ignorant, but uh, yeah, that's uh, I play a lot of RPG. I mean, I still dabble in everything, uh, but that's kind of like what I'm going to sink my teeth into. 
All right, Jordan, Dang. what about got, you? Got your whole like life history I there. No, I didn't hey, know you asked for it. Y'all <laughs> asked for it. I would have done that too. I would say um, for me, it's mostly kind of like Peter action games. I'm a little bit more shooter heavy though. So the Halos, Call of Duty, Mass Effect, that whole thing. My comfort food right now is both Apex Legends and Titanfall 2. Still a small community playing Titanfall 2 on Xbox, and I'm going to keep playing that game until the servers finally die. <laughs> oh, that's admirable. <laughs> You're also one of the few like, not not that anyone is here is really like I don't know has allegiance to a specific platform, but you usually take the Xbox codes because you're like yeah I yeah play Xbox. Xbox. <laughs> I'm the Xbox fanboy, the Xbox guy. You're also a Mass Effect Andromeda fan. <laughs> oh, we won't get into that. Yeah, that's a... You were about to use a different word than fan. <laughs> uh, but Jordan, you reviewed Ancestors: The Humankind Odyssey this week. What did yes. you give it? I gave it a four out of ten. Four out of ten, not great no that's poor i want to say mm-hmm. i keep forgetting the exact words we sometimes use for all of our numbers yeah that's what it says so i played a little bit of this game too not nearly as much as you how much time did you spend you spent 35 hours right uh say 35 hours plus a little bit of time afterwards to get some specific gameplay clips for the video review all right well why don't you like like what so other than not great what what is <laughs> the general your general thoughts on that game like sum up your review i guess essentially Humankind Odyssey just is, there's a good concept, I think, there of traveling through the evolution of our species from 10 million years ago to as close to present day as our ape ancestors go. But just the execution of having to restart from a new clan every single time your old clan dies and having to relearn all of these skills and items and everything all over again just gets really tiresome like the third and fourth time that you do it so it adds this like 10 to 15 hour just learning curve to the game that most survival games don't have and frankly this might just be something that eventually just goes away like with google existing people who play now can probably look up a lot of the systems in ancestors but since ancestor didn't doesn't teach you anything playing that for the first time in the way that I want to think that the devs want people to play, which is as blind as possible. It's just a grueling ordeal to try to get to the quote unquote end game goal of fully evolving. I'm curious. So uh, uh, roguelites are a big thing. Like people, I, I think that's taken off, right? People like games where you have to restart progress when you die. I mean, sometimes there are games like dead cells, which you carry some things over, mm-hmm. but what makes ancestors even more frustrating than those experiences might be to people i say pretty much because you don't actually bring anything over like the closest you get is you can pick a different starting point like after playing for a few hours i was like oh instead of starting in the jungle i can start next to a lake but i'm still have to go through the entire process of crafting a spear learning how to use two hands at the same time learning what uh fruits and vegetables provide different perks uh, and buffs and stuff like that. So it's not so much like a roguelike, like Dead Cells, which you kind of use where you are slowly acquiring uh, new weapons to start with and more powerful abilities and whatnot. Like you slowly become stronger and then you can improve with each run, even though you technically have to restart from the very first level every time that you die. Ancestors isn't like that. Yeah, and considering it sounds like what you can spend like upwards of fifteen hours, and then you spend a really clown, long time. Like unless clown, you just <laughs> unless you just are really knowledgeable about how ancestor systems works, and you can just intuitively figure out. I'm like, oh, I pretty sure I know how to handle this predator and what this vegetable can do, and how to bang together two rocks to make sparks to make fire and stuff like that. Like, but I don't know how you would have that foreground knowledge without googling and doing stuff like that because not all real world logical problems apply to this game like there were some problems i just tried to solve like i know these two rocks when you grind them together produce sparks it just doesn't in this game because it's a video game and they decided not to program that in so it's not like you can bring prior knowledge into ancestors to give you an edge so to speak that if if i can interject a quick little question <laughs> someone mentioned this on twitter the other day that they find it really fascinating games that try to deal with evolution because they have to be games that have like fixed conditions and and you know like victory states they actually end up recreating like the theory of intelligent design 
more than they do actually give you the experience of evolution. You're talking about having an idea here that you want to implement, but the game doesn't support. Yeah. But meanwhile, it is sort of fixated on there are these determined milestones that really that you should be able you're you're given just enough to like be able to figure out. It's like predestined in that way. Yeah. So it's not evolution at all. No, it's not. <laughs> which I don't think should be counted against the game, but it's a really fascinating point to think mm -hmm. about. Like it's actually an intelligent design game. One of the greatest things about Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is that it doesn't tell you a lot, right? And this game also doesn't tell you a lot from what I played, but you don't really feel hindered in Legend of Zelda for not knowing things. Like you can still go on your merry way. You can still figure out how you're going to solve different problems, fight different enemies. Uh, like for example, take the, uh, what are the big guys called that you can get on their back and fight in like Slash? Oh, I, the big guys. That yeah, works. the big guys. Rob yeah. would know. Uh, but but like I remember a lot of people in the office didn't know that you could actually mount them and start swinging on them until someone else would play. And like, oh, you can do this as well. And like, whoa, that's a whole new option. Oh, the Lionels. The Lionels. The that's Lionels. what it is. Yeah. And, and like you, you can experiment and try out different things, but you don't necessarily need to do that. It seems like this game kind of forces you to experiment in ways that you may not even want to. And that is how you progress. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, but at least in something like Breath of the Wild, you have that baseline. Like, sure, they don't teach you how most of that game works, but there's that starting area where it's like, right, we're going to give you the bombs, and we're going to give you stasis, and we're going to teach you how these things work before we let you out into the giant world to experiment and try those things. Ancestors doesn't give you that baseline. It literally mm -hmm. just begins with a message of like, we're not going to hold your hand. Good luck. And well, then kind of respects that. <laughs> you have to evolve, right? In order to get those different abilities and like the ability to make a spear or whatever. Don't you have to like, I don't know, first figure out what a stick is by sniffing it and then figure out how to use both your hands by upgrading your tree or whatever. And then you have to combine these. Isn't that? Yeah, that's case? essentially it. Like you have to improve your motor skills by just touching enough stuff and like swinging around like using your hands and activities enough times that you unlock the motor skills to use both hands at once so that you can then bang a rock into a stick to make a spear how do you make fire in that game you have to grind together flint and i want to say that you can use obsidian but i use something that was like this quasi form of steel it was like steel mixed with something else i'd have to look up the exact name of it and i essentially just had to turn one of them into a grinder and then essentially grind them over a pile of sticks until the sticks lit up i am amazed Sounds they dope. are positing that apes knew what flint and steel <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> by sniffing a <laughs> that is yep, this is a fire starter <laughs> wow <laughs> cool dope can but, i can i can i ask like what, what it, besides survival like what is the objective so it's it's upgrading your skills to survive and then time just progresses like yeah, so what the, is the foundation so the of point this? is is that you start at 10 million bc and you're trying to evolve to the point your ancestors were at 2 million bc so that's right. 8 million years and as you're evolving there's a tracker that is like just so you know like at this point in time our ancestors were by scientists estimates at like this point in the evolutionary process you're either falling behind or you're exceeding so you're trying to keep up with the times of the evolutionary process like okay. prove that you can get there faster than sure the human race actually did am i right in assuming that it in induces a fail state by you know sending predators or you're just going to get eaten up if you're not evolved enough i guess by a certain point well if you're just going to keep getting eaten up regardless but like no oh, okay. you're, you're not right? like you have to know what you have to do to defend okay, yourself sure. it's yeah. not just the game is like now you can defend yourself yeah, yeah. yeah. it's more like just a tracker, so to speak. Like there, okay. there, like there was a moment where it's like, oh, by the way, you're like twenty thousand years behind in the evolutionary process. But like, I wasn't penalized for it. I didn't sure. fail. They're just like, you got to do better than that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is that is cold. <laughs> so one of your criticisms was about the combat, though. Speaking about like self defense and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, what what is the combat loop? I guess so. It took me a while to figure this out, but there's these really quiet auditory cues that play whenever you're trying to do something right. So when a predator attacks you, there's about a three second pause before you hear this small little audio cue. And if you press 
the A button and an away direction in time, then you dodge out of the way. But if you press it at the exact right moment and you're facing whatever's trying to attack you and you have a weapon in your hand, then you will use whatever that weapon is on the creature. doesn't matter if it's a snake or a lion or a boar or a hippo or whatever. It is the exact same process to take them down. The main difference usually is like a snake or a boar would require one spear to take down, whereas a lion would take three to four spears. You have to just repeat that quick time event process three or four times in a row. Um, Where are the apes keeping all these spears? Did apes use spears? Why aren't apes using spears today? (laughs) (laughs) Did they forget? (laughs) I'm evolving faster, Peter. I'm learning faster. (laughs) You can find horses, too, and learn how to ride them. Shut up. Wait, really? (laughs) It's Planet of the Apes all over again. (laughs) So you, you technically beat the game, right? I mean, I guess, yeah, you could say that, but, like, can you, quote-unquote, beat a survival game? Like, you can't know, beat man. Minecraft. Like, I, I, it feels weird saying that I sure. beat this game, Yeah, can if we that makes sense. Vi- can we please cut a montage of apes riding horses? <laughs> what is the... <laughs> That's not a joke? Get, no, get, Ro- get Rob on the case. Like, I... Please don't make me <laughs> <laughs> to catch you. <laughs> how, how many hours did it take before you were, uh... Riding horses. Oh, God. That had to have been 18, 20 hours. Like, yeah. it takes a while to, like, get to the point where, like, yeah. horses exist in history. Like, horses don't, oh, at least wait. as far as they I just know. pop into existence. Yeah. So, yeah, you have to wait for Mars, some creatures to evolve. Yeah, it looks like it's my cue. Uh, I'm in now. <laughs> like, Noah just rolling through with his arc. Like, hey, here's some horses. Here you go. But yeah, like the animals that you face evolve too. Like the, in the beginning, hyenas are huge, these giant things, and they get a little bit smaller the further into the evolutionary process that you go. So, yeah. Any giant sloths? <gasps> Haven't found a giant sloth. Oh, darn. You also mentioned the pacing was kind of funny. Like there's lots of stretches of nothing. I imagine you're just not evolving or there's nothing really, I don't know, to do after a while like i so like the the gameplay loop of ancestors is when you find a new area you see you try to identify as many things as you possibly can it's like all right there's the dead branches that i know those are mushrooms those are figs whatever whatever and then trying to see if there's anything new that you can discover and then after you discovered a enough things you decide to unlock some new skills and then when you unlock some new skills you decide to have some kids and then when you have kids you can lock in certain abilities and then you go forward a few years and the kids are grown up and they have mutations and then you try to evolve and the evolution pushes you forward anywhere between like 20,000 and 200,000 years depending on how many things you've accomplished uh, prior to that evolution like new locations you found new items you've discovered new tools that you've created and you just do that over and over and over again but there are some moments in the game where like you've discovered a new location and like everything that's in that new location is something that you've seen before so you try to do your best to take things that you've seen before and create new things which isn't always possible so you're like all right i'm just going to discover as much as i can and then i'm going to move on to the next area and maybe that area has a bunch of the same things and so you travel on to the next area and you just keep going and going and going until you get enough points to do a full evolution it's like all right now we've moved forward a bit hopefully i have evolved enough that there are now new animals and plants in the world so that i can discover new things and on the off chance that there isn't you just have to keep doing that over and over again so in Ancestors, there's a lot of discovery in the beginning, and then there's like this huge portion in the middle where you're just kind of going through this loop over and over and over and over and over again until you finally get to a point where you've made it far enough in the timeline that enough new things have been introduced so that you can then discover a whole bunch of crap and then evolve again and then go through the process over and over and over and over again. And it's very long and tedious, and I do not like it. <laughs> <laughs> that much is apparent. <laughs> Damn. Damn. I, I, I would, I, it sounds to me like it's a cool concept, but not the right execution. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's, I feel like it would be so much better if you didn't have to start completely over again 
every single time. Like if I could just start a new game and just like start with the ability to like craft a new spear instead of spending the 10 minutes to relearn that skill. Like I've, it's effectively uh, a puzzle game. Yeah. Unless you redo puzzles. Yeah. That, and you're trying to get more efficient at the puzzles with every run that you do. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, is there anything you did like about this game? It's got to be something other than the concept. I would say I, I do actually genuinely like the idea of experimenting with something and finding the solution like having the general idea that taking a sharp rock and like grinding it on a stick to make a sharp spear I'm like that makes logical sense in my head and then being able to try to figure out the right combination then getting to that eureka moment of figuring that out like I did enjoy those moments I loved all of those moments when I experimented with something and I figured something out for the first time I just didn't really like having to repeat those eureka yeah, moments over and say, over again you're not going to feel that that joy from figuring it out if yeah. you have to do it like four or five <laughs> times. That's Ancestors, the Humankind Odyssey. You can find Jordan's review on GameSpot, and there's also a video review too on YouTube. Let us know what you think. And now moving on to Michael. Yeah. Let's talk about anime. Ooh, yeah. yeah let's talk this about is anime. all you. <laughs> all right. Well, I reviewed Astral Chain. It's the latest game from uh, Platinum Games, developers of Bayonetta and uh, Metal Gear Rising. Uh, there's some lineage there with uh, Metal Gear Rising and to Nier Automata to Astral Chain. Uh, this is the di directorial debut of Takehisa Taura, who is the lead combat designer for Nier Automata. So now he's um, he really upped his game when it comes to combat, and that that team uh, generally like they did something very special with the combat of Astral Chain. Uh, just if you haven't seen this game in action, what you do is you control yourself and a separate entity called a Legion, and you control both at the same time that sounds like it could get real clunky but the way it's uh the controls are laid out and what you're able to do with those two entities it's just it feels so good it's so seamless once it clicks and um yeah you can do a lot of clever things in combat you have it's it's not the same as a bayonetta where you have specific inputs to do combos in combat you have one attack button and you just kind of you kind of hit that to attack at the enemies but there's so much more to it because of what you do with legions they have their own auto attacks they have their own skills and abilities uh, like aoe damage stuns uh, they can uh, also do chain binds which uh, stun your enemies and you can uh, wail on them and do a ton of damage uh, there's sync attacks there's there's so many uh, cool things to mess around with and tinker with um even though you would might think it's like oh it's it sounds simplified because it's not the same like hard action that you might be used to if you saw like a DMC five, uh, but there's so many more variables at play here, and uh, it's almost more of a of a I feel like it's it goes closer to a sort of tactical game because every time you switch legions you get five of them every time you switch legions uh, time slows down and you kind of have a moment to think about what your next move is. And from there, I can kind of plot out, all right, with my arrow legion, I'm going to do a unchained combo. Then I'm going to bring in my sword legion and then like do this ability while I do a combo here. Or like there's a bunch of smaller enemies. So I'm going to do some more AOE type attacks and uh, bind them all. Like there's so many variables at play. And it's very different from anything else that you've seen from Platinum Games because of this system. So I have a question because when you first started playing it, I remember coming to your desk and I was like, hey, what do you think of it? And you're like, yeah. uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what what switch was it? Because at first it kind of seems too simple. And then when you start to dig deeper into it, you realize the complexity. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the first mission, you, you don't get a legion until like the end of the first mission, which isn't that long into the game. Uh, and then I kind of understood what you can do. It's like, oh, yeah, I get it. But they quickly ramp you up in terms of uh, abilities and giving you more legions. And it does a, a really good job of giving you the, the combat scenarios where you can use this new ability that you just learned and kind of build off of that. So it doesn't throw you into it like, hey, figure it out. You got five different legions with all these abilities. Go ahead. Um, they do a good, it's a good onboarding process uh, with a, a fairly good tutorial. And then you have since you have so many options there's no one right way to approach combat scenarios uh, and i think that's part of the fun of this is that i like using the sword legion and the arrow legion and max who's playing uh who's on the video team who's playing very differently from me he's like oh i was using this combo uh with the axe legion the beast legion and there's um 
yeah, there's there's no one right way to go about it uh, because of all these variables. And I gotta say this in motion, this game looks so damn cool. Like uh, I, it's, it's got to be up there for like one of the best like stylish games just to look at in motion. Like it has a, an anime art style to it. You know, they they uh, had a manga artist do the character designs, but that's just one part of the equation. Like the way that they use camera cut, camera cuts and slow motion and pauses within the action to kind of signify when you can uh, make a, a dope move or when you can hit sync attacks and the way it um, all frames that it, it, it's so it builds so much momentum. Like you might think like, ah, oh, it's I'm switching between legions, time slowing down and all that. But the way in which they um, they frame everything, the way everything moves is uh, it makes it feel like it's just continually moving and moving. And yeah, it looks great on the Switch too. I yeah. mean, I didn't think it would look bad, but considering you know the Switch, it looks it looks really good. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, especially when you go into the the city centers and stuff, like the bright lights and the crowds. I was genuinely impressed by how how that all kind of looked and moved, and how it's all sort of smooth. You know, frame rate is can dip at times, but that's not critical to the combat. Actually, you know, uh, if you think about you know, playing DMC five and Bayonetta at sixty frames per second is kind of preferable. It's uh, it it makes that game those games feel a lot more smoother because you need to be like you need to be doing like inputs in that sort of manner. But since this is a more tactical approach to the combat, I don't mind it running at a slower frame rate. Um, so yeah, it's 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 built differently in that regard. So that's how it kind of separates itself from other platinum games. Well, speaking of cities you mentioned earlier, there's a lot more to this game, right? Than just yeah. the combat too? Yeah. There there are segmented chapters, sort of like Bayonetta, but they have, Astral Chain has hub worlds where you kind of, you're free to explore at your will. There's side cases, that, or side objectives. You can help people find. You call those side missions in video games or side oh, quests. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're called blue cases. Oh, okay. They're called blue cases oh, in Oh, yeah, because they're cops, Chain. right? Hey, hey, you're cops. Hey, more on that later. I do want to talk about um, <laughs> how story. it frames, uh, yeah, the story, but also how it frames what it, you know, cop stuff. But uh, when it comes to structure, you have side objectives that you can engage with. Uh, not all of it is critical, but with each, they, they ask you to do different things within each side mission. And it keeps things fresh. Like you're not constantly doing tailing missions. You're not constantly like scouring a crowd to match uh, an identity of a person that you're trying to arrest or something. Or you're not constantly just jumping into mindless fights. Uh, there's some puzzles. There are some of those tailing missions, which aren't the best. There are some where you're just like talking to people like, hey, help me find this person. Help me find this location. Uh, there's also like some light platforming stuff where you can get rewards. You get more experience points. And all that stuff. So it, it there's also some stealth missions, which might you might be like, ah, I'm not trying to do stealth missions in an action game. Um, but they don't induce a fail state, which is kind of cool. It's like, hey, if you want to go through this stealth stealth scenario and just like whoop everyone's ass, by all means, you're not going to get a good grade because there is a grading system. With this like, but we're not going to tell you no, you can't progress if you don't do the stealth section. So, so does like, it just decide like this is a stealth mission? Be stealthy. Yeah, uh -huh. okay. yeah. And then you get caught, and the alert goes off, but it doesn't say like, oh, you need to start back from the beginning. So like, oh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kick their ass because that's what I do. Um, oh, that's what you're supposed to do throughout the game. Um, but it's it's at least there, and it's it's like functional. Nothing's like broken when they try and make you do that. There's also a certain section where you're doing. Like a traffic, what's that? What's that? Um, roundabout? No, 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 no not <laughs> roundabout. Uh, traffic light. There's a that that puzzle game that you had on uh, the TI eighty three calculators, Traffic Rush or something. Frogger? Frogger? No, Frogger. no, no. <laughs> it's like a puzzle game. You're supposed to like clear out certain things. So there's there's some puzzle games within the side quest, <laughs> which I thought uh, were kind of cool. I mean, if you don't like that stuff, you don't have to engage with it. But it is there, and you do get some uh, pretty sweet rewards for it. So there's a lot of variety in Astral Chain. It's not just, a hey, one combat scenario after the other. And I appreciate that because I'm exhausted after the longer combat scenarios. I'm like, yo, that was a lot. I need to take a breather. Uh, I'm, I just need to relax. Yeah, the, I like DMC5 a lot. I haven't finished it, but uh, the it, it's hard to play that in one sitting. Like, I couldn't just sit down. Like, Doom, I guess it's a shooter, different discussion. But still, that was a game where I could only do, like, chunks at a time i couldn't just yeah. play that game all day because yeah, it can so, be exhausting yeah exactly it's exhausting and i i, th I think that astral chain creates a very nice pace because as soon as you're 
kind of worn out of digging through this hub area for like trying to find all the side objectives and all that stuff and like scanning for all of the side content because some of it's hidden too. As soon as you're like you're tired of that, it's you you move on to the next thing. So it's constantly um, it just creates a really nice flow that I like a lot. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, there's also some, a lot of layered systems. We don't have to get into the details of its systems, but it takes over the, the chip system from your automata. So you can buff and give perks to all of your legions separately. And they all kind of function very differently. You can create a lot of different builds within your legions. It's not, I, I played it on the platinum standard difficulty and I have been playing on the platinum ultimate difficulty. It's not entirely necessary, but the fact that you have those options to make everything seem more in tune with how you want to play is uh, it's it's really cool. It's a good adaptation of that system because that's one of my favorite things about Near Automata's combat, and they like doubled down on it, and made it even better for Astral Chain. It kind of reminds me. I mean, not in terms of combat, but it kind of reminds me of Xenoblade Chronicles Two, and that you'd have your blade that you'd have with you when you were fighting. Sure, maybe to some extent. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Peter, Yo. you're interested in this, I imagine, if you're. Like Japanese games and action games? I'm, no, yeah, I'm very interested in it. Um, I will be playing it at the end of this week for sure. Yeah. Um, I feel like I read your review. I watched the video review, but I still don't know if I'm going to love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because so, we'll there, there there are some aspects that I don't love about Astral Chain. <laughs> yeah, what are those? Yeah, For as much as I love the combat and the style and just how everything moves, like the animations when you do sync attacks with different legions, your character goes into different animations and it's so damn cool man it's like dude this is straight out of some anime but the the problem is my my my, oh sorry my main personal problem with this is that when you play a stylish action game like bayonetta uh like dmc there's they have a very distinct personality with its main character right like whether you like it or not is a whole nother thing but the fact that they have a very distinct charisma is part of that game like i know how Dante is. I know Nero. I know V. I know Bayonetta. I like Bayonetta because she's like this cool badass who also has kind of a, you know, a, a spotty past. And I wanted to know more about that as I played this dope action game. The problem with Astro Chain is that you have a silent protagonist. You can choose the male or female cop, and the other one becomes your brother. Or sorry, I was gonna say what? <laughs> I, I chose the female cop, and then my brother became the focal point of the story, who has all the voice dialogue. It kind of revolves around, or revolved around him. Oh and, wait, so the the one you don't pick is fully voiced, but the one yes. you play, it, oh that's right. yes, that's weird. And they, so weird. There are voice actors for both the male and female cop. So they just chose not to use. Yes, the and that is voice. bizarre to me. Because it, there, there's even if it was just a little bit of dialogue, it would have done so much more f- for framing who this character that I'm playing as. So my saving grace is that I modeled my ca- character after Chie from Persona. And I was like, I dressed her up and made her look just like her. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm playing a, a, an action game starring Chie in some way. But I mean, it, it, your character never really talks. They go, ah, huh? And Legion, <laughs> when they call it to your Legion. And I'm like... And there's, there's like very pivotal moments where big bad science person is like, I'm going to rule the world with the power of the chimera, which are the the, the force that you're fighting that spills bad into guys. the real. Yeah, the bad, <laughs> the bad dudes. And then your character's like, ah, no, not even. They don't even say no. They're actually, <laughs> that's a lie. They don't even say just grunt. <laughs> yeah, just grunt. And it's it's so weird to me because, yeah, that, that's part of why you're you're into these games because I want to see I want to see my character be a badass and like have attitude and say something about the events that are happening in the game. You don't get any of that in Astral Chain. That's yeah. the most disappointing part. I think. That, that was like Fire Emblem 2, which we've been talking about the past couple weeks. That was a similar issue with Fire Emblem, right? Is that you were mm-hmm. this professor and your students would like tell you their entire life story, pour their heart out to you and you just, just be like, stone face <laughs> the entire time, like, not say a word. Yeet. That's it. Um, yeah, uh, and in some ways, I, I understand the silent protagonist thing because, I've, like I said earlier, I play a ton of JRPGs or RPGs in general. Uh, I think of Knights of the Republic, I think of Dragon Age, and Persona uh, does that as well. But your your journey through that hundred hour game is me choosing dialogue and kind of living in that world. That's not what you're doing in Astro Chain. So I I prefer to have a character that's you know that has a personality and yeah, so you don't get any of that. But also the story itself is kind of cheesy there's a lot of plot holes and i'm not i'm not asking this game to have a groundbreaking story uh but i would prefer if it was if it made sense 
Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's well, that's the most disappointing part. I mean, uh, it, it goes to a, there, there are stakes at hand and I, I am interested in seeing those. I was interested in seeing those play out. But once you get to the end, you're kind of like the lap, the, like the battles that lead up to it are look great. They're very intense. They're very challenging. Um, but there's no narrative payoff. At least to me, there wasn't any. And I think that's kind of what prevented it from like, I, I gave it an eight out of 10. Um, and you know, that's kind of what was the limiting factor. Uh, for me so there are some cool elements around the edges though that do give the game character uh, such as finding cats because it's very important and I want to find cute little cats you know, oh, and they're little pawsies and they're playing like there's a safe house where you have all the cats and then there's there's <laughs> one there's one that just like uh, just like flicks a can around it's so cute it just goes up to it and it goes like fucking hitting the hitting the can against the wall and it's like flipping out it's really cute so finding cats is cool there's also one character her name is Marie, voiced by the same voice actress that voiced Morgana. Uh, she's really cool. She's also dresses up as the mascot for the police headquarters called Lappy, which is a uh, a big, dumb-looking dog, but it's really cute. And she tries to lift every lift everyone's spirits in the midst of a crisis in your world, which is that's kind of cool. I thought it was nice. Too Gotta bad. have one of those characters. Right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, too bad my character had nothing to say about that. <laughs> Not that uh, this is how these things work, but like, would you have, would you be okay if like the game maybe didn't look as cool or didn't have as many flashy sequences as it did if it could then maybe have a bit more of a story as a result? <sighs> that That's tough because though the stylish part of this game kind of plays into why the combat, part of why the combat is so enjoyable. Mm. Um, so it, it in at least how I see it is that you know if if combat is going to be the most important part of this game, I think that style kind of uh, takes over because mm-hmm. it complements that. Um, I mean that also depends on what the story could have been. Of course, it's all theoretical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This bullshit. I <laughs> yeah, but I think that the the way this game looks and the what you're actually doing when you play uh, the game kind of there's a, a good synergy there. Um, but as a result, I mean, not as a result of that, but unfortunately, you just don't get uh, much narrative payoff and you get a silent, awkward, silent protagonist that you can make. You can make them look real cool. But uh, yeah, that's the extent of that. Well, we do have some Twitter questions before we wrap up. Sure. Uh, the first one comes from Jason Wolcott, uh, Wooly Dub. He says, never played a platinum game before. I can only get one. Should I get Astral Chain or Near Goaty? Uh I think it sounds like uh, Near is thirty-five bucks, and Astral is sixty. So I guess price is sure. somewhat of a factor there yeah. too. Well, what you're really asking me is if you should play one of my favorite games of all time. I I think Near Automata is very very special. Um, I think that it, it it leans totally in the other direction of Astral Chain, though, where that game is all about its narrative. It does so many creative things with its story, and yo like. Ask yourself, hey, are you trying to cry or not? Nah? Like, because Near Automata will get you in your feelings. That it's that game is very special, uh, and I kind of don't want to get into the weeds of it because that's part of unpacking. Uh, unpacking that is part of the the joy of it. But I mean, if you can get that game for like what thirty five bucks, by all means do it. I mean, even if you're not into like narrative based games, there's still like really good action sequences throughout that game from start to finish. It uh, doesn't do combat quite as well as other platinum or stylish action games, uh, but it's, it's still good. And boy, you are in for a treat if you play near Automata. Uh, I would definitely suggest that. That's not to say that Astro Chain isn't worth uh, diving into, but I mean, if you had a choice, I would say give near a shot, definitely. There you have it, Jason. This next one I'm going to try to read. I don't oh, know no. what half the words mean here. <laughs> what JoJo stand would Michael want to have his legion in Astral Chain? This is from Mikey. Jake that knows one what that Michael means. guy. You know what Jake, that means. You know. Yeah, I don't know stop that messing around. You love boy. anime. I don't yeah. know what a JoJo stand is. Well, uh, so JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is uh, many things. A manga, anime, and uh, a lifestyle. A lifestyle, a state of mind. And oh, Matt, es- Matt Espinelli's state of mind, to be <laughs> specific. And I hit him up earlier today when I saw this question because he is... Let's say he's a JoJo Stan. Mm. Get it? Mm. Stan? Mm. All right, all right, all right. Uh, well, to answer the question, <laughs> though, I don't think I would pick Star Platinum, which is uh, Jotaro's uh, stand. I wouldn't pick that because the Arm Legion has the same, like, thousand punch uh, power. So there's a, there's a JoJo reference in Astral Chain. So, but I wouldn't pick Star Platinum. I also... 
you have notes here? I do have notes. <laughs> I, I'm pulling out my conversation with Matt. Uh, there's a uh, Vanilla Ice is a character in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and what he has a stand called <laughs> not the actual Vanilla Ice, but a character named yeah, okay. character <laughs> name. He has a stand called Cream, and they have like a void ability that's like super destructive. I think that would be dope. Uh, there's a also another stand called Bad Company, which just summons a whole bunch of soldiers to like special forces soldiers to fire at you. I wouldn't put that in Astro Chain because uh, that is would imply the militarization of police, and I'm not about that life. So that's uh, Love Deluxe is would be dope, but uh, the power is that you can your legion would essentially turn in. Your hair would turn into your legion, and that's Bayonetta's ground. So I'm not going to encroach on her abilities. Are you going to give every? Yeah, this is not what I'm going to do before you get to the one that this is my boy, answer. Boy to man, <laughs> boy to man is another stand I would put in Astral Chain because you go into a rock paper scissors match, and if you win, you're done. Or like your enemy is done. Son. So that I can imagine that as a last ditch thing that you could pull out your uh, bo- the boy to man legion stand. And be like, oh, I only have, I don't have any more healing items left. I'm about to die. So this is my last ditch effort. Play rock paper scissors with your enemy. If you win, you win. So uh, that's that's my answer to that one. You're welcome. All right. Cool. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. You, oh, you, you got play, another. You, you play. You play as a cop in, in this game. It, it's it's a Japanese game, so it frames things very differently. I think ta- uh, Tadasan talked about how, you know, we're not necessarily trying to make a statement about the role of cops in other regions this is purely a like this is us you know with the framing of how we view police in japanese cops yeah sure not to say that you know that's totally okay but like this is a totally different thing that doesn't touch on the current state of the police forces here in america so those i i see those as two separate things um there's some weird weird stuff where you you're constantly arresting graffiti artists Uh, i don't know about that but other than that you know this game is isn't isn't that like a they crack down pretty hard on that in japan i guess so if that's a thing that this game's trying to tell me then uh, that message is coming through i suppose uh but yeah other than that it's pure anime nonsense well cool well there's michael's thoughts on astral chain if you want to see his review uh it's on gamespot.com peter Hey. You played Control. You reviewed Control. You I gave did. it an 8 out of 10. Yes. And it is great. A great out of 10. Great out of 10. Overall thoughts? It was almost a superb out of 10. It was very close to that. Yeah. Uh, Control is a really uh, interesting game that I've had my eye on for a couple years now. And I fell in love with it, fell out of love with it, and kind of stumbled into reviewing it. And I'm really happy I did because... Um, Remedy Games does some things really well, and they do all of them very well in this game. It's just a treat. It's weird. It's, it's action-packed. It's surprising. It's filled with mystery. Like, uh, it's just a lot to chew on and a lot to think about. And it's yeah. fun to engage with everything along the way. Well, to kind of touch on your history a little bit, I remember when you saw it at E3, I think when they first revealed it two years ago, right? Or two mm-hmm. E3s ago? And you were saying it was fantastic, or it looked fantastic, and you were very excited for it. And then you said you kind of lost interest. When was, When did that happen? GDC last year, uh, me and Rob Handler went to go play a demo, and oh yeah, I heard he played it. Yeah, and I played. It. <laughs> <laughs> Rob has a Rob has a sticker above his computer monitor that says "Control." I played it or something. Yeah, like that. he does, and he did. <laughs> does he still um, have it? Yep. <laughs> yeah, you know, I played it a little bit. He played more of it, and I stopped playing during that demo because I started to feel like I wasn't the game needed to really be experienced from from the foundation not just thrown into the middle of it. So yeah, like, I don't know. It just, they kind of gave you all of the abilities and most of the weapons. They're like, here's a combat scenario. It was like kind of challenging, but it mostly just felt like this game isn't just about combat. I know there's more to it. If this is the best you have to show me, I'm a little worried, you know? And I and I was asking the questions like, how is this not going to be repetitive? Like the way they were describing, you know, how the open environment works and enemies and encounters and stuff. And kudos to them they they really pulled it off it's not that repetitive of a game even when it is being repetitive uh if that makes sense which i can explain more i guess yeah well i kind of know what you mean because the the combat right like even they they really do a slow drip feed in terms of what they give you i mean they were showing this game off with like flight abilities and stuff like really early on you don't get that until like the very sort of like final Mm -hmm. throws of of the game um and when you do it's a really special moment that totally changes like how you use the environment how you use your powers and your weapon, it changes everything. Um, so to really experience new things every couple hours in terms of what you can do, and um, 
as a superhero, but also someone who has to rely on guns. Like it was just a really interesting rollout of that stuff. Way better than just, hey, here's everything. Mm-hmm. Try it out. Yeah, it does play. I was replaying the opening the other day and it does play very differently early on compared to by the end because I hardly use my guns near the end. I'm just throwing things and throwing up my shield and flying all around. And- flying all around, possessing enemies, using your shield, throwing objects. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's it's really cool how it manages to manages that juggling act between gunplay and superpowers. And it's something you have to do as well. Like I'm talking to people in the office who are maybe struggling with like one fight here or there. And it always seems to come down to the fact like I'm asking them, are you using the shield at all? And they're like, no. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like, well, <laughs> you know, because uh, pretty sure we had that conversation too. Because <laughs> yeah, you can't recover health in this game unless you kill something and then go and recover the health that they drop. And there's no like really strong vacuum to like pull that stuff towards you. And you can't go in the middle of a firefight unless you're using your shield or unless you're really fast because enemies that hit you can hit really hard. Mm-hmm. You can die pretty quickly. There's no recovery items or anything like that. So I guess even to go back further into your history, Peter, you also reviewed Quantum Break in 2016. Yeah, uh, yeah. which you weren't a you you were you didn't love, right? No, I thought it, no. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> I could go off. I don't know. It, it really it really struck me as a game that that didn't have the right focus behind it, or that focus was muddied. It's a, it's a, I, who knows why that game was the way it was, right? All we know is that Microsoft pretty much owned Remedy Studios at that time, or Remedy Games. Um, They were a Microsoft Studios studio. And that was part of their whole push for the Xbox One was going to be this multimedia platform, right? And that came through in this game where it was like you play an hour and a half and then you watch a 20-minute episode of like a quote-unquote TV show with really crappy production values that really couldn't hold up to like the level of actor that was in some of these, these scenes. It was very strange juxtaposition and the gameplay itself didn't have that oomph like i'm using time to move boxes in a shipping yard what what like (laughs) if i can control time and i can do all this amazing shit like let's do something cool with that and it didn't really do that too much i like the combat back when i reviewed it but watching gameplay footage of that now after playing control it's like oof yeah maybe i was searching for something to like you know, because it looks kind of boring to me today. Yeah, I noticed you're also playing some Alan Wake this yes. weekend too. Yeah, What's I, it like coming back to that? I guess it's kind of another discussion, but... That's kind of new to me. Like, I haven't played... Um, I haven't finished an Alan Wake game. And in, in the past, after I first saw Control, I went to play it, and I only got about an hour and a half in. I think Alan Wake is, at least today for me, is best served as a narrative game. Oh, yeah. That totally. relies on atmosphere when it comes to the actual, you know, the action of it. It's not that interesting, uh, I don't know what it was like at the time because I didn't play it back then. Um, back in, I don't know, what, 2010, 9, something 11, like that? 9? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it really does sort of bring the atmosphere that even Quantum Break couldn't muster. Um, so it does, I'm more interested in playing that than I would say revisiting Quantum Break. Mm-hmm. Um, but I even want to go back and play Max Payne now as well because it's some of that inner monologue stuff like the 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 dark sp- the shadows of existence and, yeah. and you know stuff just like <laughs> creeping in like it that's that's just something remedy really knows how to wield yeah and one thing you mentioned in control is just how great the setting is in the atmosphere i mean not not as good as alan wake as you just said but like the atmosphere in the oldest house is so cool to explore yeah it looks it looks like it would be boring um, it's like a corporate or a government building. Everything is just like, yeah, we needed this much space. So we built it and it's a perfect square and it's made out of stone. And, you know, it fits into that what's known as brutalist architecture using like natural ish materials and very basic, uh, forms. Um, but it also shifts and moves because it's being tugged at by this unknowable force from a different dimension, basically. And, um, that manifests itself both as like, obstructions and things that don't exist in the oldest house until they do because of this force. It's really hard to explain, but yeah, it makes really good use of the environment. And and through that, there's a lot of, I don't want to call them hallucinations, but you know, things that come in from Jesse's consciousness into how you see the world, even though it's from a third person. Um, yeah, they, they, they really made a place that looks boring. Very interesting. Yeah. I, and there's a lot of set dressing too, in terms of the collectibles you can pick up, like, Oh, there, there's some that are like, where, where's my bathroom? My bathroom is gone. Yeah, because whatever this forces is moved it. And, you know, it's not just, 
oh yeah, this this thing can move bathrooms. But it's like the reaction of the person who's writing that letter is like, look, I didn't come to this job. You didn't hire me as an executive to sit here and not be able to go to the bathroom. Like this is bullshit. <laughs> Get this fixed. <laughs> um, and there's just like, I don't know, I'd say guesstimation 200 of these things to look at. And they range from like case files, like for, you know, investigating paranormal stuff, you know, inner office communications, uh, a lot of FMV video, which I think is another thing Remedy does really well. And they really excel at it here. Um, all that stuff is really fascinating. Like I was saying earlier today, I still have a lot of that stuff to read and I'm kind of like waiting for the quote unquote perfect moment to like sit down with a cup of tea and really like <laughs> just like stew in that, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it really, and it, and it plays on a lot of like real world concepts that are still like tenuous in terms of like, is this an actual field of study that's worth pursuing or is it just someone's crazy idea that sounds interesting? It kind of exists somewhere in the middle between that. And that just, that sends me to Google to look up stuff. You know, I can't, I don't think, I don't know many games that really inspire me to look outside the game into what, you know, it, it's trying to, to show me. Character and control is pretty good. And her, her inner monologues are pretty funny, at least from the hour of control that, that yeah, I've played. Jesse Faden. I, I really yeah. like her. I can't remember. Is it Courtney Hope? Ooh, I think so. I think it's, I looked it up last night and I don't remember. I think it's Courtney Hope. That sounds right. She's interesting, right? As you say, there's a, there's the aspect that comes in really early where it's like, Kurt was telling me that he thought that she was breaking the fourth wall and like talking to him when she was mm-hmm. referring to you. But you you do kind of realize that like, no, something is talking to her in her head. Mm-hmm. And even though you're in her head, you don't actually hear this other voice or know where it's coming from. You only hear, hear her responses to it. And for the longest time, like wondering like, who it, is she losing it? Is there someone talking to her? Um, the answer is surprising. Maybe you've seen glimpses of things that you think are like, oh, it's got to be coming from this. But I don't think you could really guess what it's actually coming from. Have you beaten the game? Yeah, I finished it. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised. (laughs) So we we don't want to get into spoilers or anything, but uh, would you say this has a satisfying ending? Because that was one thing with, once again, I won't spoil spoil Mm. Alan Wake just in case people haven't played it. But that game, I mean, I think Remedy's even said that they planned on making an Alan Wake 2. Right. And it kind of ends on a cliffhanger. How how did you feel about how this game wrapped up? Like, did it answer all the questions you had? Um, like I said in my review, I think there's a lot of games you can fairly criticize for being vague or too opaque to not giving you the answers to things because maybe it doesn't warrant that kind of storytelling, but it's part and parcel of what control is. And I think it never really drops that. It always keeps up this missing piece that you don't have, um, which just opens up the door to questions there's a there's a quote that um, Alan Wake says in the beginning of Alan Wake, and I was playing it this last weekend. And I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's something like the unknowable mystery, like the unsolvable mystery, is the thing that will stick with you forever. Mm-hmm. And that really rang true for me when I was you know reflecting on why I like control so much. It's because it gives me something to chew on, to think about, and it gives me enough ingredients where I can come up with my own answers but then still think like, but what if it's not that? And still come to a different conclusion that's just as interesting and fascinating. I don't think it needs a firm ending, a firm explanation for everything. So I'm okay with that, mm-hmm. frankly. Yeah. And talk about Alan Wake too. I mean, th- it's if you actually look at what Remedy has said about what Alan Wake 2 is going to be, it's actually interesting to see like, maybe Control takes place after what could have been Alan Wake 2. Um which just adds a whole other wrinkle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One thing yeah. you also said too was how you have these questions, right? But then you have some 200 documents that you can look at and you're saying you can, there's a bunch of different threads you can essentially pull on that can kind of help you come up with your own conclusion too. So it's not like you're entirely left in the dark. It, it feels like there are means to maybe solve some of these questions, but it does right. require some digging. I'm sure I'm missing something mm-hmm. and there's an answer that's in the game that I don't have. Like I, I can... I expect that to be the case. Um, and that's just all the more reason for me to want to <laughs> try to figure it out, but also talk to people who are playing it. Like at this point, I'm I'm enjoying that people are enjoying the game because they like it for different reasons or bringing things to light that I hadn't really thought about in an in-depth way, whether it's related to the story or the mechanics or the combination of the two. It's just, God, there's, there's so much to think about, mm-hmm. honestly. Well, once again, we've got a couple Twitter questions. Uh, the first one comes from Newton. Uh, at Newton X, he says, is Control the best Remedy game yet? 
Yeah, it's I can't really answer that having not played um, the Alan Wake games to completion and having not played Max Payne in over a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's like how I feel. I don't remember. It's been so long since I've played the Max Payne games. Uh, I like you. I was replaying Alan Wake this weekend because I wanted to after playing Control, and I think there's some things that Alan Wake does better, but. Man, Control is so good. I think Control might be my favorite Remedy game. Yeah. it's And then you know what? It's given me a lot of inspiration and excitement to go back and play other Remedy games as I as have already started to do, mm-hmm. which says a lot, I think. Have, have you guys started playing Control at all? I have not started yet, but after hearing Peter talk about it, well, watching And that the, it's DRM free. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, that's another story, but uh, yeah, I, I read your review and I watched the video review and I looked at it and I was like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. It's a lot more intriguing than I guess uh, the, some of the, the pre-release stuff that I had seen. And I'd played Max Payne 1, Max Payne 2. I love Max Payne 2, Fall of Max Payne. And talking to other folks, they're like, oh yeah, there's... There's still some of that that same energy that's channeled in control. I'm like, oh, okay, then I'm on board, and I'm I'm very fascinated by the things that have been said about it. But I mean, Max Payne Two is probably it is one of my favorite like action games that I have played. So I'm wondering how those two would compare in my mind. But it's that's also like a 16 year gap between those two games. So uh, yeah. I'd be curious to hear what you think about it. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely going to play it before the end of the year. That's for sure. Play it like with headphones on without distractions, especially because mm-hmm. combat is maybe more difficult than it seems at first. You really have to pay attention, but sure. also to pay attention to the subtle things that happen and cool. the cues the, games, yeah. the game gives you. Even more intrigued. I was going to say, yeah, I played with headphones and it was incredible. I, like I said before, I could only play it for an hour, but in my one X got a little hot by the end of that with all the moving pieces oh. throwing around. Yeah. But I had such a good time. And if it wasn't for the fact that we had work today, I think I would have stayed up all night last night playing <laughs> it. Like it's it's such a good time. And the intrigue and mystery of the storyline, it just it hooks you in like immediately. Yeah. I'm an old dude, or at least I feel old. And that means <laughs> that by the time it's like nine fifteen, I want to go to bed. I didn't have to cram this game for the review, but I played two days, eight hours in a row each day until like two AM because I just didn't want to stop learning, seeing there's so many small like things to find yeah yeah. there's so many cool easter eggs too i won't once again won't spoil any of that but some of the stuff i've found is 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 awesome like it's really cool i think we'll talk more about that stuff next week right Mm -hmm. um uh, we should talk about performance a little bit like jordan brought that up uh someone actually has a question i can't pronounce his name but it's at merited chasm top Sorry, I butchered that. <laughs> we'll play Control on PS4 anyway, so I will know for myself whether this is true. But how? But is it unplayable on the basic PS4? I guess there were, he heard a rumor or something that it might be. Unplayable is a strong word. Yeah. Um, so I play on PS4 Pro. There were some frame issues here and there, but not the sort of thing where I was like, well, screw this game. Like, you know, it definitely was like, okay, yeah, there is a ton going on. I understand why this is happening. It didn't ruin the experience. It would be like a couple of seconds here or there. On a base PS4, I do hear things are a little bit worse in that regard. Talking to Phil Hornshaw on our team, um, in his opinion, I trust very, trust very much. Like all you guys, like he was saying like, yeah, it's worse on PS4, but it's not ruining the experience. It's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, you're going to notice it. And that will vary between every person. Some people are way more sensitive to that stuff. It's the physics, the reactivity in the environments is so top-notch. And on top of that, there are a ton of particle and lighting effects that are really nuts. I'm not surprised the game is chugging. It will on PS4. It will probably to a degree on Xbox as well. I would say look at Digital Foundry's comparison of Xbox One, Xbox One S and X, PS4, PS4 Pro, and PC. It's really interesting. Like, So I'd say most people are talking about the PS4 version because more people own PS4s. The Xbox One version, like on an S or a regular Xbox One, is 720p, which no one is talking about for some reason. And then not that that's a huge deal, but I think the idea that the PS4 version is somehow awful, it's like, no, like the original Xbox, it's also, you know, it's pushing the limits of the consoles we have. Playing it on PC, though, or at its best on an Xbox One X and a PS4, it's great looking and it runs really well. That's Control. You gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, Later this week, or actually I guess next week, we're going to have a spoiler discussion 
for control. Keep an eye out. That'll go up on YouTube and uh, on the RSS feed, iTunes and all that stuff. So you should be able to listen to it here as well. Any final thoughts on anything? Michael's got his finger up. He's yeah. Got something to say? I, well, Astro Chain will be out by the time this podcast goes up. So I can mention that there is an end game to Astro Chain. I forgot to bring that up when I was talking about it. But I think it's really important because after you beat the main story, you get a bunch of additional combat scenarios that you can complete. And they're they're very difficult. They kind of test the limits of your abilities in combat more so than anything in the story. I think that's a really neat addition to that game. Uh, and there's a lot of them. There's like 70 something of these combat scenarios and they're very difficult, but I'm glad that they're there because it really stresses the best part of that game and just gives you more. I mean, there's no narrative stakes, I don't think in it. And if there are, you have to do a lot of digging. Uh, I know Max is played a way more of those cases than I have and he's at like the 100 hour mark so it, it's a it's a fairly I guess simple way to elongate that game but it also that's the best part of it so um yeah that that's a really cool feature that I think uh, folks should know about and uh, yeah I uh, that's definitely worth mentioning awesome well before we wrap up uh, a couple corrections from last week uh, this is from Josh he says after listening to episode two, I couldn't help but email in, having been a longtime VR user, Oculus Rift. The talk, the talk about No Man's Sky was actually kind of disappointing. Teleportation is definitely the wrong way to play pretty much any VR game, including No Man's Sky. If you look in the settings of most VR games, you can change the locomotion settings to turn on smoothing and turn off vignetting, which makes it so much better. Love the show. Can't wait for more. Uh, yeah, so Rob had, Rob didn't check the settings he just thought just that you could out. teleport and well he, i don't know I, I was supposed to apologize last week for this but i forgot to uh don't worry we fired rob he's not here anymore so there Ooh. won't be anymore <laughs> Ooh, thank god oh yeah can oh, i have yeah. his desk sure uh no yeah we realized that after we recorded that you can't turn that off but thanks for writing in and thank you for listening and then another clarification from aaron l white he says just to clarify something from the podcast ps4 spider-man became the best-selling superhero game ever not the best-selling playstation game ever uh that indeed would have been mind-blowing achievement yes thank you i knew we knew it was something big we just couldn't remember the exact specification of what that might be uh but anyway thank you guys for joining me yeah uh, jordan course. where can people find you on twitter they can find me at j m r a m e e is there anything you're working on that you can talk about uh not especially i'm working on stuff that has an embargo but they can be on the lookout for some anime stuff because i'm going to yeah. be going to Crunchyroll expo and writing about the interviews that i'm having there uh you can find me on twitter at michael p hyam uh, michael p h-i-g-h-a-m and uh yeah i want to plug pax west yep, because i was gonna have a section for this but you go oh, ahead do you want to do it now <laughs> no, 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 no you do it just do it now <laughs> okay, okay, okay uh a couple of us are going to pax west we're gonna check out some cool stuff that's me uh jean-luc seipke and jacob decker and alessandro Falari, the main crew that's going there but the most part part is that we're having a panel so if you are going to pax west if you are going to be on the ground at seattle washington for it you can check out our panel that's happening on sunday 11 a.m. Yes, at the Cat Theater. And we're going to be talking about games that we thought we'd hate, that we ended up loving. Uh, and we have some great guests. We have Jan Ochoa and Abby Russell from Giant Bomb joining us. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, Ginny Wu, who's also done a lot of work for us. And Mike Williams from US Gamer is also going to be on that panel. So we're going to have a lot of fun. It might not seem all that spicy on its face, but you know what? We got a lot of great people on that panel, so it's going to get real spicy. Uh, be a lot of fun. So if you're at PAX West, look, be on the lookout for that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at PC Brown. Uh, I mostly talk about outdated analog technology, <laughs> um, but that's where you can find me. Uh, currently, sort of in that same vein, but more modern. I'm working uh, in the next week or so on a quick little review of this device called the M Classic from Marseille, which is a company that put out a cable last year that does active post-processing in the cable, anti-aliasing sort of uh, the images that you you know that your TV's putting out. Um, the thing's a bit strange. They call it a external graphics processor, which is technically true, but it'll be interesting to put it to the test and see what they think. And I'm considering doing like a blind study with folks in the office to see which they prefer stuff that runs through this thing or just vanilla. Yeah, I'm genuinely interested in how that thing works and what the image actually looks like after using this cable. Yeah, there's some coverage out there right now, but I've got some some games I want to I want to check out yep. specifically. Um, and it also has a retro mode which is supposed to help make old retro games look better, which I am highly skeptical <laughs> of. <laughs>
yeah, that's probably the highlight in the very near future for me. So, so this is a bit of a tangent, uh, but I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw a product that you can plug into your Switch and it was an external like graphics enhancer. It's and probably they, the same thing. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it had like a red M. Maybe. Uh, so so even better though. I want to see if I can pull this up. It, you, you, it, it, it's got to go fund me, right? Or a Kickstarter or something? Uh, yeah, go fund me. Yeah. And is one of the, the founders a member of NWA? Uh, so what? not founder. <laughs> not founder. They, okay, what they, so they hired I, they hired one of the yeah, they hired one of the guys to help design the product. And his Which quote one? is just like, I really like the original product, so they brought me on to help with the new one. <laughs> Wow. I don't. I don't know his name exactly, unfortunately, because uh, to me it's not worth factoring into any of this. It's just a. <laughs> it's a really weird marketing plan in my mind, and this is the sort of thing. Why does it matter what the device looks like? It should yeah. just matter what it does. So they've clearly spent a lot of money on things that don't matter. That um, that must be it, because I saw that and I was like, Yeah, that's it. I don't know if I believe this. And then I clicked in and I read the, the description on the the kickstarter and i saw a founding member of nwa as part of it and i was like yep what <laughs> yep i mean i will say just based on their track record that there are scenarios where so i should and scenario meaning a specific console a specific game on that console where it can make a small difference that people like um but so often it results in stuff that's like this isn't an improvement it's just different and mm. paying $100 for something different that might be crushing blacks and losing detail is not necessarily for your benefit well, that is GameSpot After Dark, episode four. Thank you all for tuning in. And if you have any questions, sorry, we didn't get to any questions this week because we had uh, questions on the segments themselves. Uh, but please send your questions at afterdarkpodcast.gamespot.com. I saw a couple that are very good, and don't worry, we are going to answer those next week. See you all next week. Peace. Bye. Later.